It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hey, with the defective characters, three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. And we have special guests joining us today. Gee, that's you. Hello, that's me. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. These opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today we'll be sharing our experience with fear in episode 72 of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. So we, we... tease this we don't always i'll be honest t sometimes we don't know what the topic is till just a couple minutes beforehand um but last week we were talking about practicing these principles in all our affairs and the topic of fear came up and it's one that in the last 71 episodes we had not tackled and uh wanted to bring you in on this um because since you're in our home group uh I've heard you talking about fear in your shares several times, and I figured uh, any way that honestly we can bring you in because uh, we talk about our personal lives and also how we're getting through, um, I don't know, getting through the other 23 hours outside of a meeting each day. And you're such a huge part of James' life and our recovery community uh, that we always love to have any excuse to bring you in and figured this was a good time for it. Thanks so much, Mike. You know, you you can bring me in anytime. I'm just amazed and just so grateful uh, that you guys continue to do this. It really is an inspiration (laughs) to me, and I'm sure you're touching a lot of people's hearts and lives, too. Do you you want to be the four people we listen? (laughs) (laughs) Do you you want to now I don't want to, like, put you on the spot. Do you want to uh, be the first in the circle to, to touch on a couple questions regarding fear and recovery? Or do you uh, like where do you want to fall in line with the three of us as we touch on it? I'm completely open and willing, willing she, to do whatever. She chooses one. <laughs> she cho- <laughs> why, don't, why don't we do this? So there was uh, there were two questions. We have a text group. It was two questions in particular um, that I wanted to tackle. Uh, fear before you came into the rooms and maybe some fear that you had encountered uh, while on the path in recovery. Uh, So maybe each of us can go around and and do a share about, um, you know, fear before you came in and then we'll go around in the same rotation on uh, something that you've tackled in recovery and how you've cut through it and maybe some of the tools that you used. Did you want to start us on that, T, sure. before you came in? Sure. It's Lisa Alcoholic, and exactly how much time do I have? <laughs> uh, why, why don't you hit us with about five minutes? We'll each do five minutes on each of them. All right. Wonderful. So, Talitha Alcoholic, my, or T, <laughs> my, my sobriety date is June 2nd, 
2017. I walked into the rooms at the age of 44, as you all know, after about 26 or more years of drinking. And um, I had no idea how I got there. And I was pretty broken. So as you can imagine, I had decades of fear that I was carrying with me everywhere I went, which just really weighed me down. Um, you know what fear looked like for me before I walked into the rooms is it was paralyzing. Uh, I would be confronted with something that I didn't know what to do. And I would be relying on whatever I thought I should do. And when I was heavy in my sickness and drinking and, you know, other um, things that I was doing that was taking me away from the ability to have clarity, uh, it just put me in places that I shouldn't be in, saying things I shouldn't do, and, um, you know, experiencing things that I don't believe were meant for me. Uh, one of the greatest things I had to walk through before I walked into these rooms was not only giving back everything that I had worked so hard for, uh, but also losing and facing disciplinary action with my professional license. And I had no idea what to do, and I, I froze. Um, when I walked into the rooms, I got this program, and I started doing the steps, and I started to understand that I was sick in the mind, but that my um, spirit just wanted to live and grow and develop and that I needed help, I started doing the steps, you know, and there's a number of slogans that I would kind of take to heart and try to walk in until I had enough of a track record to know that what I was doing um, was going to work. So, uh, gosh, what it looks like now is that I surrendered to the process of the program. I literally gave, as far as I'm concerned, the minute I found out this program works, I gave everything you know, into the program. I, I got myself God-centered. Uh, I realized at any time that I felt that my needs weren't met, which is usually why I feel fear, uh, that I would just recognize that my needs are always going to be met as long as I, I walk by faith. And faith is a pretty um, fun place for me to be now because faith means that I can take steps in a direction towards a place that I'm going and I can believe and trust that the steps that I'm taking are aligned not only with the principles of this program, but just also in line with my heart. You know, I can make sane decisions. And every time I do that and I take a step in that direction, I have more faith that I continue moving in there, in that direction, I guess, in a sense. So um, I'm not sure what I just said. Did I answer your question? Yeah. No, you, <laughs> you definitely did. So we'll go, James, you'll be next. So T, while, while James is speaking, obviously we'll be listening. But think about something maybe an issue that you dealt with in sobriety uh, that regarded fear, uh, like what that was, whatever you want to share and, and how you were able to, uh, to work through that in particular. James, did you want to go next? Like fear before you came in? Fear before I go, um, before I came into the room. So yeah, thanks Mike. Uh, I just, and I just, had, uh, since we have an extra person on, uh, Dennis is going to have to make his pretty short today. <laughs> Hey, really every day really. <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna do that <laughs> um, all right okay when i think of fear um i think of i had a lot of ever since i was small like scarcity fear i always you know was afraid that i would never have enough 
even though I was, I was, I always had enough, but you know, cause God always provided, my parents were loving parents. They always provide, but for some reason early on in childhood, you know, I got this mentality that, you know, I would never have enough stuff, you know? And, and that's what it was just stuff. Like I did, I was feel, filling my, um, myself with things and, it was never enough. So from early on, I had this. And then I was always, I had a selfish mentality too. So I was always afraid that I was going to lose what I had. And I've heard it called the scarcity complex. And um, it, it coincides with being selfish and self-centered as well. So, you know, those were the main two things I was afraid of. I was never afraid of, you know, getting arrested really because i drove drugs so many times and I, I did so many stupid things uh going to places um putting things in my body i had no business doing i was just looking for getting a sense of ease and comfort i would get from that drink i didn't care what it did to me and i didn't care about the 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 next day um so i wasn't afraid of my health i was just afraid of I, you know, I was afraid of what people thought of me, and that was a big thing. You know, I always tried to look the part, look good. Uh, even as I my drinking progressed, like, that diminished as well. And before long, it was just all I cared about was how I was going to get drunk today. So really, the only fear at the end was not having enough alcohol to get me through the day. So that's what I got, guys. Thank you, James. Uh, Dennis, again, five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> you're, you're, on the, you're on the clock. I'm flipping the, the, the sand over. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> fear. Like, it's interesting because most of my life I didn't have – a lot of fear right so it's typically like as a younger kid it was basically fear of my father authority figures you know getting in trouble and stuff like that but i didn't really let that fear dictate like what i did you know it was almost like just don't get caught kind of mentality um and then as i got older it was like you know fear of talking to girls and like the basic everyday fears but Alcohol typically took care of all that. When I was drinking, I didn't care about anything. I didn't have any fear or anything like that. Even putting myself in dangerous situations, it was almost like I wasn't aware of those dangerous situations, like driving drunk or like, you know, dealing drugs or walking through like shady parts and like shady neighborhoods and stuff like that. There was just no fear at all. Um, it wasn't until much later when my health started going and then like, you know, from drinking every day, eventually like that stuff catches up to you that like, you know, as I got older, it's almost like a quarter life crisis, right? So my health starts going cause I'm drinking every day. I'm in doing the same routine that I've been doing for years upon years that it kind of hit me of like the fear of the future and the fear of death and all of these bigger more profound deeper 
fears that I didn't, that I ignored for most of my life, like hit me. And then that's when things got really bad, you know, and that's when the anxiety starts and all of that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, eventually like the drinking and like the smoking pot, which we used to take away all my cares and all my fears and worries and stuff, it stopped working in that sense. And it just became, I was drunk with the same worries and fears and stuff like that. So it's like, I don't know. Um, it was a, a really rough time to where all of a sudden, like when that stuff stops working, when it stops taking away the fear, I didn't have anything else in a sense. I didn't have a solution to those problems. So they got magnified and got worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden I'm scared of everything. And then I have a panic attack and I'm f scared of, you know, going to the bathroom or taking a shower or I'm scared of getting up and moving from where I'm sitting or laying, you know, it becomes all encompassing fears because, you know, ultimately I learned that it was an absence of a higher power in a sense, you know what I'm saying? Like where all of a sudden, like the realization of, you know, that, I am helpless and out of control and blah, blah, blah. But there was nothing there to fill that control. You know, there was nothing there to keep me safe from the world. So it just becomes completely fear-based with no way out. I don't know. I'm rambling, but. No, and you, and you still had some time. So if you want to ramble some more. Okay. Yeah. I'll ramble. No. But uh, I mean, from I'm gonna continue. <laughs> How much time do I have? Chris saying on the you, you, isn't that funny? Like when somebody says you have time, like <laughs> our shares are usually and T just because you've joined us like every once in a while. The shares are usually about five five minutes. But whatever you were on a clock, it's like it's like if you go to a meeting and somebody says, "Oh, you only got like three minutes." Like people, you know, are like, yeah, "Oh, but just the time." So yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get you guys are all under for about a minute, so you get you get time if you want to, uh, you know, wrap things up. You always say you're rambling, Dennis. It's so poignant. Your 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 words they flow like uh, Shakespeare. You know, you know, so good. To be or not to be known to be. Now that is the great question. All right, thanks, Dennis. You're welcome. Thanks. Uh, I, I think you all touched on uh, something that was was pretty uh, unique of actually realizing the the higher PowerPoint um, that it took it took me a couple months to to figure out because before I came into the rooms um, from the age of seven when my first grade teacher uh, was poking fun at me and skipping me for reading like around the classroom like we would each read like a paragraph. And because my reading was so poor, she said, well, skip Mike because it's going to take forever. Oh, um, that's I was, I was so scared. And I was going through uh, some of my old stuffed animals that I, I kept. And one of them was Buster Bunny. And my daughter, like, picked it up. And this week, it shot me back to I used to take Buster Bunny 
um, with me. My mother would put him in my backpack and I would put that in my locker. And whenever I, I would say, like, I have to use the bathroom in first grade, uh, I would go to my locker and uh, see Buster Bunny and I would kiss Buster Bunny because I was just so scared of that teacher and that experience and being humiliated. And I mean, so at the age of seven, there was a bit of me that just hated myself. And I had so much fear that th you weren't going to like me. And it wasn't until, uh, I guess, in second grade, I started acting. And through school, that was my safety net of, oh, I can act on stage at school plays and I don't have to be me. And then I graduated in the first couple years of college. Uh, I found radio, which was a profession that I've stuck in. And there's a little bit of that where I can be somebody else. So there's some comfort to that. Um, but then whenever I'm not on, I would just be so scared. And I heard an interview with Bruce Springsteen this week of he's, uh, he's known to perform a really, really long concert. Like he'll perform for like five hours every single night that he does a show. And he admitted that through working with a therapist, he found out that the reason he would do that is because if he performed for five hours, he only had to be Bruce Springsteen off the stage for 19 hours. So, wow, that's interesting. But even somebody like that <laughs> has fear of the other hours of the day when you're not what other people expect you to be. And it's something that um, I found comfort the last six plus years. Well, probably six years because I'm six years and change in the program. And it took me the first several months to start understanding a little bit and chipping away at it. And now I can honestly say I'm fine with who I am uh, today, but there has been some things that have come up in sobriety um, even the last several months that I'm still dealing with. And I'll, I'll share that in the, um, the next segment that we jump into. Uh, T, do you want to get us started on maybe something in sobriety that you've, uh, had to tackle and how you actually tackled uh, the fear that's come up? Sure. So this may sound funny, but <laughs> once I, <laughs> once I did get sober and I started the road to recovery, uh, you know, I became afraid of everything <laughs> because everything I was doing in my life, I was doing for the first time sober. Right. So the first time I drank at the age of 19 and, you know, drank myself into a stupor, and I had made this uh, conclusion in my mind, in my body, in my spirit, in my soul, although I probably wouldn't have said it at the time, that basically cemented alcohol as the solution to any of my feelings. From that point on, I had not experienced that whole spectrum of feelings that I have since learned I actually have. So when I came into the rooms and took that solution, which was not really a solution, it was a, you know, a, a temporary distraction. And for me, it leads to death because my body, I started experiencing the spectrum of emotions. And one of the, the ones that I felt the most was fear. So I would be 
just in the middle of the night, I would wake up, you know, people would get a Charlie horse. I would get, I don't know if there's a Charlie horse version of a fear. I would just wake up with this gripping, paralyzing fear over everything, right? Looking around in the room, whatever I saw, whatever I was thinking about, it was just fear, fear, fear. I just felt this constant threat. And what I realized is that I was really having a hard time um, understanding or experiencing those spectrum of feelings and emotions that were letting me know when there's action that needs to be taken or something that I didn't know that I could um, look around for help and learning how to ask help. So I had to walk through that in about a year and a half sober. So I don't remember exactly when it was pretty bad. So I would, I would feel fear if my husband left the house, you know, wondering if he made it to work on time or if he came home. I would feel fear if, if somebody, if the phone rang because I didn't know who was calling. Uh, and all of the things that I would feel fear about if I describe each, you know, per, whatever related to a person, place, person, place, or thing, it's, they're all uh, experiences that I would have in life normally. I just was not um, comfortable processing them. And I was with the feelings I was having because I didn't know them. So I asked for help, you know, I asked for help from my sponsor, from my doctor, from my counselor, you know, whoever it was who I felt comfortable to get some idea of how to handle it. So the first part of it was me recognizing that I had these fears and understanding that it was a gift, you know, from God to direct me into a pathway closer to him. So I would learn how to ask for help and seek direction. So once I started doing that, it made it a little bit easier, but it didn't make that feeling go away, right? So then through the program, I did my prayer and my meditation. So when I would feel prayer, I would, again, just accept I'm feeling, you know, I'm scared right now because of this. Will you please take the fear away from me and reveal to me what it is I'm supposed to be doing here. And 10 times out of 10, no matter where it was, all of a sudden a light bulb would come out in my, not literally in my head, but <laughs> I would have some intuitive thought that would say, do this, call this person, you know, relax, it's okay. And I know it wasn't coming from me, it was coming from God. So little by little, that pathway to God to give me direction to let me know fear was just an alert, like uh, alert that comes up in the dashboard of the car. I knew that it's something that I, I could just take action for. And then the other thing that I did is I did get a chance to go and see a psychologist and, you know, she rebooted my program. She helped me to understand that I had this new design that was a healthy design for living. Those aren't the words she used, but I was trying to superimpose it over a different way of thinking. And I was learning how to think straight through this program. So, through, you know, I got a chance to work with her for a half dozen or more, and she was amazing. She just rebo rebooted my system so they were all in alignment so I could continue to grow. And, you know, this program's all about growing spiritually. It's through that spiritual growth, my connection to God, you know, my ability to uh, let God love me so I can love myself and then go out and, and be able to share that love with others has been an amazing um, transformation for me. And just in case I don't get to speak again, there are a few things that I wanted to write down that I wanted to share. I wanted to share um, that fear has become a gift for me because when I open up that gift, I have learned to walk with courage. That means that whatever it is I think that I'm afraid of, 
um, the the action is more important than the fear itself. And so I can walk through it. Um, Grace, of course, is something that helps me to gently release all conscious expectations I might have about a situation that gets me through fear. Um, I know that when I'm feeling fear, I have this phrase I've come up with, or I probably heard from someone else that when fear is there, that means God is near because he gets between me and whatever it is I perceive, whether it's realistic or not, fear, and he gives me direction. And at the end of the day, um, let's see here. What else do I have? What else? Oh, yes. At the end of the day, it all comes back to love. I have to let myself voluntarily evolve or let others, ourselves, voluntarily evolve. And it's through that evolution, transformation, just like through recovery, that I arrive at a place of, of complete peace, peace in the pain. So, again, did I answer the question? Yeah. <laughs> you, you did beautifully. Uh, okay. So and great. You record it so you can go back and record your listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all do. When we listen have, to ourselves. When you have me in line after Dennis, I get I get lost in what Dennis says, and then my husband points. You're next. I'm like, wait, what? What? Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always blaming Dennis. But, no, I'm embracing. Embracing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> James. Um. Well, guys, I I I gotta say I don't have a lot of fear. Lucky. And I was talking with Dennis the other day and we were, we were walking by the lake and he's like, James, you, you got it so lucky. You just go through life and everything's just so easy for you. He's like, you're not afraid of anything. And I forget what else you said. I was like, well, yeah, God's got my back. Everything's good. I mean, no matter what comes, it's, it's just, you know, I don't mind what happens. He's like, yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, like, I think my exact words were, I'm envious of you. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Once, once I, I got that spiritual experience, um, you know, everything just changed for me. Now, I will say that if, if fear crops up, which it does, um, you know, it's usually something like... Is someone going to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> we're in the office right now and uh <laughs> mom is that you <laughs> it's god it's god answer it um let me see i i don't have was, the, the fears i might have is maybe being um sometimes I, I think i'm a perfectionist so i i i don't like starting stuff if i'm not good at something because i I'm fear like it won't be good enough but then at the same time, I think I'm just copping out because I'm, I'm just lazy. So, um, you know, sometimes I, I get scared of talking to T's mom. I don't know why. Whenever I have a question for her, I go to her. I say, will you ask your mom this? And that's like a little kid again, right? Because <laughs> I'm afraid she's going to say no, but she's always going to say yes. Um, and then... You know, I guess I have a healthy fear of, you know, my children, uh, what they're doing, what kind of men they'll become. And I, I just hope that they're doing well. And, and it's not it's not a real it's not a fear that I, I, I feel that in, engulfs me. It's just a, a healthy fear. Like, 
or not even a fear, just a, a concern. And I know that the, the remedy for that is just to really pray and ask God for his will and then just be a loving parent in all that I do and with all the people I come in contact with. So, you know, I, I just have not had a lot of fear and sobriety. I'm just not a good speaker on this point. I'm so sorry. So sorry. No, you're you're good. Yeah, I mean, you have the you have the solution that uh, I think everybody that has fear, um, whether it's even a little bit or crippling, uh, yeah. you know, wants to wants to get it. So having that solution and talking on that's not a bad thing either. You know. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, Den- Dennis, do you, do you have any fear? No, none at all. Never. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, where to start? You know, like, um, you know, bef- like the state that I was in when I came into the room, you know, complete darkness, no hope, no faith, no nothing, just a desperation and a, and a complete fear of everything, like all the way down to, you know, walking you know opening the door and going outside was like terrifying to me even if i did it i was still like terrified of doing it so coming into the rooms it is a it's a slow walk of like you know one first going to the meeting you know every day and try not to have a panic attack then you know talk to someone or not freak out when someone talks to me or, you know, and then it progresses into like, okay, raise your hand for if you have 30 days or under and then oh, pick up a chip and then, you know, eventually chair the meeting, eventually like talk to more people and open up. And, and so it was just a progression of all of these fears that like just kind of walking through. And there's a lot of things that helped me, in that in the sense of you know the like as far as like the slogans go and like little just little philosophies or whatever and the one is like you you know i'm not alone now these people understand what i'm going through and they're good safe people that would not that want nothing but the best for me so that gives me a little bit of comfort and then like some things that my sponsor said to me like you know looking at it as like fear is a mile high but it's paper thin so once you walk through it you realize that it's not that bad and that helped me a lot you know that helped me like get on a plane and go fly across the world you know like like immensely um and then it's a lot of other things you know step three surrender have a little bit of faith that god has me and that he's gonna take care of me and keep me safe no matter what I'm doing. And I think that's where like me and James differ a lot. And I think this is where what I'm envious of James is James is able to walk through the world with the level of faith and like confidence in that faith that I don't have. You know, my faith is polluted with doubt. You know what I'm saying? So on good days and everything, okay, it's a beautiful day. It's going to be a good day. God has my back. Everything's great. I'm loved and I can lift my head up a little bit. But on bad days, I question all of that. You know, I'm not sure. Well, okay. Is there really a higher power? Am I just 
making it all up in my head is you know if there is a higher power does he have my back does or does he want me to you know be in the belly of a whale for my whole life you know and things like that and it's it's a something I constantly have to work on and on, you know, on my best days, I can walk with that confidence that James has, but it's, it always seeps back in. Um, you know, I was talking with like the, uh, like the other week or whatever, I had a massive panic attack. I think I shared about it last week. And I was talking to, to Letha like a couple of days after that or whatever, because she called, like we do the gratitude buddy thing. So she calls me once a week and we talk and catch up and stuff. And we talked for a while on like this subject of fear and anxieties and stuff, just because I, I uh, was going through it at the time. And, you know, one thing that we talked about is how like this irrational fear, you know what I'm saying? Like creeps in and it almost feels like someone just ejects me with a, a dose of fear that all of a sudden I can feel it just wash across my body, like a heroin shot or something. And all of a sudden I'm engulfed in fear. And it's, it's really fascinating to me because that's exactly how it feels to me. So, then I think about it. It's like when you can identify like, okay, I'm afraid of talking to girls. I'm afraid of speaking in public. I'm afraid of like these like normal human fears that everyone has at times. It's easy to, you can identify it and walk through it. You can use these phrases um, like, you know, the paper tiger, you know, fear is just paper tiger. It looks scary, but then you touch it and it's just paper or, you know, mile high paper thin those kind of things can help you get through that, that confronting that fear and walking through it. But with me, a lot of my fear is in that sense of that all of a sudden I get an injection of terror and existential dread. And how do I counter that? And I think the answer is, and, and where I constantly have to work on is how I mentioned what James has. It's that faith. You know, I have to like when I'm going through that, I have to like tell myself that this is a lie. You know what I'm saying? That like my brain is telling me to be scared of everything and be scared of life itself and be scared of all of this stuff, even though my rational side of my brain and my spiritual side of my brain knows that everything's OK. So whenever I go through that, I have to like my that's when my faith needs to be the strongest when i my brain is telling me to fear everything i have to re fall back and rely on a certain faith that this will pass and that everything's going to be okay and not allow you know my run mechanism to like go pick up a drink or or seek some other kind of relief or do you know do the ultimate thing of like leaving this world or something because, you know, those type of solutions aren't going to get me out of where I am. Those are the old solutions that ended up not working. So I have to keep this faith. I have to understand that this fear that I'm having is irrational. Even though it's irrational, it's also not true. That whenever this passes, if I can get through it with a little bit of dignity, then everything's going to be okay. You know, I think... Uh, 
Yeah, you know. And another thing, real quick, I'll end on this because I know I'm probably going over my time, is that a long time ago, you know, I used to think the opposite of of love was hate. And that's what I thought it was. The opposite of love was hate. And then I think it was my aunt or someone when I was younger told me that hate is not the opposite of love, that fear is the opposite of love. And that dawned on me. It's like, wow, like it's true. So when I like to me, my higher power is love, you know, the, the, the idea, the concept, the, the embodiment of love. So if I act out of love and walk towards love, then I'm walking closer to God or my higher power. And if I act out of fear or let fear dictate my life, then I'm moving further away from God. So that's one thing that I constantly got to remember that if I walk towards the love, then I'm going to get closer to God. And then fear is just going to get worse. You know, as an example, when I'm making movies, I'm terrified of making movies. I'm terrified of going between the schedule or the before the camera. I'm scared of telling people what to do and how to make this vision come alive. I'm just scared of it. But there's a love there. So either I cannot do it and allow the fear to take decide my direction, or I can follow the fact that I actually love doing it, decide it. And in the end, I get to create things. Yeah. Mm. I think that's important, right? <clears throat> when things come up and thanks, thanks for, uh, for sharing, uh, on that, you guys, like when things come up, you have to walk through it, you know? And if you never, if you never walk through, um, then you'll live in that fear. Um, there's been so many things. I've never had a problem with moving around the country, not knowing anybody, uh, it was part of my career, and I think that was where maybe so, when I was drinking, the geographical cure, may, like maybe a little bit of that. Um, but I still, I have no problem. My thing now is to, um, now that I'm divorced, is anytime somebody brings something up that I haven't done or a place that I haven't, you know, something I haven't done in, in after the pandemic, like I'm doing it now. I can only imagine when the, the pandemic is done as far as traveling and seeing places, um, nothing will stop me. But uh, fear does enter uh, my mind on a maybe not a daily basis, but it does quite often. Uh, you know, with the divorce, I stayed up uh, and I talked about it. This was probably back in the July podcast uh, after my wife at the time had said, you know, no, I don't want to be with you anymore, uh, effective immediately. And seven days later, she was actually moved out of the house, had her own place. Like, as soon as she said that, after that 90-minute conversation, I called two people. I called my sponsor, and I talked to him, and I called James and said, like, what am I going to do? And talked to Dennis that next morning at a meeting. Um, and I made sure to use the program because that night I didn't sleep a wink. So from 7.30 when that conversation initially was had until 7.30 in the morning when I met up with Dennis at the morning meeting, um, I had not slept a wink because I had so much fear that was keeping me awake of, uh, from everything. And we've shared about this in the past, but fear of 
um, not finding anyone, being alone the rest of my life, to my daughter not um, uh, loving me because she only has me 50% of the time, and her mother potentially saying slanderous things about me, um, and just like all this irrational stuff and turning it over to God is how I get through anything. And I, I, I had God in my life beforehand, but um, even more so every single time that I have fear about anything, if it's something I can just push through, like my boss says, hey, there's a project you're going to have to work on. It's due in a month. I tr- if I can, if I have spare time, I get it done that day because I can't just sit on it. Uh, because then fear does hit me. So procrastination also with fear that kills me and I can't do it. So uh, I make sure to walk through as fast as possible. I, I figuratively speaking, I've always got shoes on. I'm always walking through and uh, I have to do that. And it, one of those tools is reaching out to another alcoholic. Uh, yes, I can pray and I can meditate. That still is walking through something because that's a process. Um, but I'm, I'm never okay with just, uh, sitting in the fear. Some people, um, you know, everybody deals with fear differently at a different pace. I just know that this drunk has to, uh, make sure that I am, I have my goals set on how to deal with an issue and I, I deal with it and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I really do appreciate you guys, uh, on the topic of fear um we'll be back next thursday sharing our experience strength and hope with you on episode 73 we're the defective character is entirely ready to have all these character defects removed remember hey t-, t can i have you say the slogan that you sent me faith everything and rise you have got to be kidding i just looked at my husband and i said did i get to say this yet and he said no and you and you literally just said that so absolutely fear face everything and rise and we'll see you next time